0: Hi, I'm Heather. And I'm Haley. And we're the Whodunit Sisters, a Kansas City True Crime podcast. On December 30th, 2018, Christian Alvarez was shot and killed. We talked with his mom and she told us about Christian and she told us what happened that evening. Thanks for watching.
1: Christian, he was a very, very active and outgoing young man. He loved baseball and football and being outdoors with his friends and and family. And um, he was a baseball superstar. He was always in the newspaper when he was a kid, you know, breaking records. I think uh, he was 10 when um, he broke a record. He hit like 28 home runs in one year. And I actually have all those balls. (laughs)
0: I saved every single one. Did he go to Lee Summit?
1: No, um, we lived in Indiana when he was growing up. Okay, okay. Yeah, so we didn't move here until 2012 when he was getting ready to go into middle school. So, but yeah, he he was just a happy-go-lucky kid, and things kind of changed for him when I got divorced and we moved um, here to Kansas City. He was... 12 years old, I don't think he really knew how to deal with a lot of it. And he kind of changed and um, became more of an introvert. And, you know, instead of getting out and playing ball and things like that, he just wanted to hang out at home with me and his sister and play video games and things like that. And maybe that was something normal that was going to happen anyways at his age. You know, kids change, you know, throughout their lives on what they find interesting what they like to do. But so... um We spent a lot of time together. Um, He was always at home with Mama. And um, he did decide, though, he wanted to go back to Indiana for high school to be with all of his friends that he had grown up with. So I let him go back to Indiana and um, stay with his grandma. And about three months after he went back, his best friend killed himself in front of him. And that's when Christian really changed. And I think he started gravitating towards a different group of people. He struggled and found it hard to get himself back on track and and smile. And he wasn't the Christian that he used to be. But towards the end of his life, um, when he was 19, he started working at FedEx. He had lost 100 pounds. You know, he was smiling again, he was, you know, interacting with me and his sister, again, like he'd used to, his relationship with her had become stronger, like it was when they were younger, and it seemed like he found a new zest for life again, which was, which was kind of the unfortunate thing about the whole situation is, I had my son back, and then I had to lose him all over again, but this time permanently, so that's, you know, pretty much sums up a, a lot of you know who Christian was and what he went through and who he'd become again before someone took him so callously from us. He was an amazing person, he was a great great uncle to to his um niece and nephews and he he just loved people he was what I would call a gentle giant he was six foot two. And before he'd lost weight, he was 280 pounds. So, I mean, he was a big kid. And um, he just, he had the biggest heart. But he kind of, you know, sometimes I think felt like he was 10 foot tall and bulletproof. So, but you'd never know it by the way he treated you, you know, just the way he looked. So, the day that all this happened, actually, I had just, Came home from my mom's down at the lake and had a bunch of boxes of pictures and stuff. Um, And my daughter and I were going through them because I had lost my mom the same same time a year earlier. I actually buried them on the same exact day one year apart. So we were going through pictures and stuff and Christian came. He had a friend over and he came upstairs and, you know, he, he bent over and looked at a few pictures with us and stuff and said, you know, I'm going to run my friend home, and I'll, I'll look at these pictures with you when I get back, and that was about seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. And um said, okay, and he said, I love you, Mom, and gave me a kiss, and said, I love you, Kirsten, to his sister, and, you know, and said, I'll be back in a little bit, and it was the last time we saw him. I received a, a call from his best friend, probably... 9.30, 10 o'clock, you know, asking if I'd heard from him, saying that, that he was talking to him and he was supposed to, you know, get back in touch with him and um, he hadn't heard from him and Christian's phone was off and Christian, if you knew Christian, Christian always, his phone was always charged. If there was anything that Christian made sure he did during the day, it was make sure that his phone was charged because I tried calling his phone and it went straight to voicemail. So I knew something was wrong. I knew that he didn't let it die. I knew some something had happened because um, that was one of our things too. Is always make sure that I can get a hold of you or you check in if you're not going to be. You know, I know he was 19, but he still was my baby. You know, check in if you're if you're not coming back like you said you were. Please check in. Please let me know what's going on. So I got really anxious and and um, I, I don't know what made me do it because I'm not really that kind of person. I don't think of negative things, but I just started Googling car accidents, um, you know, murder, you know, things like that, you know, killing or something like that, you know, in Kansas City. And something came up, and I, I think, I don't remember what news station it was, but I seen Christian's vehicle in the background on Google. And um I knew right then when I seen his car there that something had happened to him. So of course I I couldn't I couldn't sleep. I tried calling everybody. I tried calling the friend that he was with. I you know, I tried calling the police department. They wouldn't tell me anything. And then uh, I got a knock on the door probably about between six and seven in the morning and I just knew as soon as I seen two people sitting or standing on the on the front step that he he was gone. Just seeing that on Google earlier in the night and then seeing them standing there, I just knew. But I think I already knew in my heart that It it was him when I seen his car sitting there on the news, and um, it's the worst experience you could ever... (laughs) I mean, seeing those two people standing there was... It's ingrained in my mind. It'll never go away, and it was the absolute worst day of my life. I thought the day I lost my mom, being an only child growing up in the home, and... Losing her at 59 years old, I thought that was the worst thing I could ever go through in my life. But this this compounded that a million times. It's just like a parent's not supposed to outlive their child. We don't really know much um, except for, you know, the person that was with him, you know, says that he knew the person and was talking with the person and laughing and joking and before he went to meet them, and he went to, um, I don't know if he was going to the address where he was killed to meet the person, or if he was going to meet the person somewhere else, and they ended up there, but he ended up at the end of uh, um, Oakland Avenue in a cul-de-sac, and his car was kind of blocked in the cul-de-sac, and they, just, they shot him in the front yard. And um, his friend was lucky enough to not get hit by any bullets. Um, Christian's car was pretty much a mess. There was bullet holes everywhere, and all the windows were shot out. and somehow, his friend was lucky enough to escape it. but of course, now he he lives with a lot of, you know what I, what I think my son went through, which was PTSD from what he's seen, you know his friend going through, and I think that that's something that his sister and I too will always deal with you know that I think those people those cops coming to my front door and standing on my doorstep that's something that is like like I said it's ingrained in my mind and I'll never forget it and it's kind of like it's trauma that I don't I don't think that you can ever get over but besides that we I mean we do think that we know one person's involved but we can't really say for sure my daughter and I've done I mean, that's all we did for the first six months after he passed away is we sat on, tried to tie people together on Facebook and, call, you know, looking through phone numbers and phones and pictures and conversations and basically tried to be detectives ourselves. But you just, we don't know, you know. And that's that's my only prayer every day is that someday that, that we find at least one person that was involved in it, and then hopefully hopefully it leads leads to finding the other people that were involved in it.
0: And so I was just going to ask you if the person that he was with knew the people. Like,
1: the, the person he was with did not know the people, but my son knew the people. N- did know the yes, people. Yes, at least one of them, because he was talking on the phone with them.
0: Can we ask if there was a motive
1: in. The police really have never mentioned it. Um, I told, I told the police that, I mean, I know Christian had been working at FedEx for a while and he didn't believe in banks and he, he did carry all his money in a bank bag underneath the seat. And I think he thought he was 10 foot tall and bulletproof, you know, and he thought that his friends were his friends. And if anybody knew about that, then. No one's gonna try to do any... They're his friends. No one would ever try to take his money or whatever. But was um, it was all gone. Yeah. So um, that's that's the only thing that I can think of. I I mean I I can't really think of any other reason why you know someone would want to kill him. I know the first thing, and that's why I try to stay so proactive. And I'm not saying I love my son any more than any other parent who's lost their child. But I I continue to stay vigilant on on making sure, you know, someone pays for what they did because my son didn't... Nobody deserves it, but my son would have given... My son did give several people the shirt off of his back or his last dollar in his pocket or, you know use the last bit of gas in his tank to go take a friend somewhere because, you know, they didn't have anywhere to stay or whatever, you know. I mean, I remember going out in the driveway one day and my son had someone sleeping in his car because he didn't have anywhere to go. And, you know, I'd already told him, you can't bring people in the you know, you can't bring people in the house, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, occasionally I would let someone stay, but if I didn't know them, and I walked out my driveway and found somebody sleeping in the car because they had nowhere to go, you know, so... It made no sense to me because if you would have asked Christian for whatever they needed, then he probably he probably would have loaned them money or whatever. I can't think of anything that he could have done to anybody to warrant them wanting to take his life.
0: And then, did the friend happen to know how many people were involved?
1: Um, he's seen at least two people. Okay, I have conflicting. Reports between the first detective and the and the second detective, so I can't really say. Um, they had a ring doorbell across the street that they seen people on. They couldn't see faces or anything on. They seen people on and they seen gunshots coming from at least two, but they think three different areas. So they think that it could have possibly even been three people. I know. I know there was at least two different bullets in Christian, so there was at least two different people, and uh, so it's conflicting whether it was two or three.
0: And he got out of his car.
1: He was talking to the person in the yard, and then talking. someone shot him. Yeah, like someone came up to the car and got in the car with him for a minute in the back seat and was talking to him because it was chilly. It was December thirtieth, mm-hmm. and then he got out and the and of the car and walked up and he was standing in the yard, and his friend was still in the car, you know, playing on his phone and stuff, and he just, he said he just heard gunshots and seen Christian fall. Okay. okay. Yeah, so I mean, he was talking with the person. So he went to that person's house? Thing. See, the, the people in the house, they say that there was no reason for him to be here, that they weren't involved, but the detective never interviewed her. Because the first detective, because she was, she said, "If you would have seen how distraught she was because a bullet went through the side of the house where her kid's room was, then you would have known she wasn't involved." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, scary. yeah." And every time I, every time I went over there and put a sign on the pole or whatever when I knew she lived there, I would pull up the street and watch her rip it off. <sighs> it's. I, I, I don't understand how kids his age can take lives and, and not realize that it's a permanent thing. I think that they think that, you know, it's not a big deal, and when you decide to shoot somebody, it's permanent. You can't take it back. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with the justice system nowadays and the, the very short sentences that people get for committing crimes like this and callously taking someone's life but I'll fight till till the day I die anyways to make sure that someone's brought to justice and I I hurt for the parents of that person too because not only did I lose a lose a child but in some ways they're going to lose a child when they have to pay for the pay the consequences for what they did and a lot of people say, you know, wouldn't you want to see that person, you know, not here anymore? Wouldn't you want to see them hurting, you know? And, and that's, that's not the case, because what that does is their family is going to be the ones that suffer, not them. And I would never want to see anyone go through what my daughter, myself, and my grandchildren have went through. So I just hope someday it slows down or it stops completely. These kids taking each other's lives. I pray that they that the system works in my son's case, because it hasn't in a lot. When you hear on the news that somebody got seven years for murdering somebody, it's disgusting. That person could go to jail for seven years, get out, get married, have a family, have kids, and... That's something that I'm never going to experience. I'm never going to have grandkids by my son. My daughter's probably done having kids, and I'll never have another grandkid. And it's not fair. And it's not fair for families to have to see the person that took their loved one away from them serve such a small sentence, get out, and still live their lives. I believe if you murder someone, you never see the light of day again. You know, you go to prison for the rest of your life that's how I feel I you know I feel like you took some I your parents can still come visit you I'll never see my son's face again and um you know I do a lot of things in the background to try to fight for that you know I've emailed I mean the detectives is there anything you know that you guys can do or whatever um every single week and for four years and I honestly wholeheartedly believe that if I didn't do that, my son's case would be tucked in a box somewhere. It would. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Every time I email them, I have to live it over again. Every week. Every time I send an email to the detective, I have to remind myself that my son's been murdered and he's gone. And it's exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. And nobody around you understands what you're going through. I know my daughter does. It's... It's changed her forever. I feel like I basically lost both my children that day. That's your one job in life is to protect your children. And and I had a lot of guilt for a long time, feeling like what, you know, wondering what I could have done differently to save him that day. And I finally had to let go of that because I realized I did every, I wasn't a perfect parent, but I did everything I could, you know, to make sure that he grew up to be a, a good human. And... He was loved, he had a warm place to sleep at night, he had clean clothes to wear, and he had food to eat and he knew he was loved and that's the most important thing and that's finally what I had to tell myself to to let go of all those thoughts. But I think it's a normal normal reaction as a parent if you were to lose someone is what could I've done differently to maybe maybe if I you know would have been more persistent about him coming straight home after he dropped his friend off or whatever, you know. Um, but I think sometimes if something's going to happen, it's going to happen, and they're, you know, I can't wrap my mind around it, because my hope is that the guilt is eating at them, that they, you know, that they feel the way I feel the guilt of taking someone's life but
0: So we know Christian gets a phone call and that he knew the person because he was laughing and joking with them. And they told him to meet up at this address. Mm -hmm. And he gets there and the person gets in the car and they talk for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then that person and Christian get out and Christian is shot by at least two people because the ring across the street, you know, they can see that there's firing coming. Uh, We know he was robbed because his bank bag was missing and he always kept it under his driver's seat or the the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. The bank bag has never been recovered. Right. So I would think that there's any friends of his or mutual acquaintances and they've seen a bank bag, you know, that they should call the police because that's just not a normal thing that I think people would have. Bank bags. The bank bag was green. With a white Central Bank logo on it. And it and And it zipped. Like, so, we're just... If you see one of those, I mean, it's all, like we said, usual for people to be walking around with those, so... I would say call the TIPS hotline, and, and his family is not going to stop looking for answers, so... We would appreciate it if you would share this on social media. That way, people who may possibly know things can see it and then call it call information in. Yes, yeah, so please share. Thank you, everybody. We finally reached a thousand subscribers. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Very exciting. So yes. keep Thank sharing. You. Yep. Thank you very much. Bye.